My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 144 of The Kate Show. Today, I'm sharing four reasons why marketing your business might feel scary. So tell me, have you ever said any of the following phrases? I don't know why, but I just can't seem to put myself out there. It's like I'm scared, but of what? Or, I started my business and suddenly I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing or why anyone should take me seriously. Or lastly, my new branding and my fancy website make me feel great on the outside, but on the inside I just feel like a fraud. I hear these sentiments frequently when I'm consulting with my Socialite Vault members on their marketing. Whether they're new interior designers, fresh out of design school, or experienced career professionals transitioning to their own professional organizing business, they all realize one unavoidable truth. Entrepreneurship is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter whether you've started out well-funded or you barely have two pennies to your name. Starting a business has a way of knocking you on your butt and making you second-guess every decision. Now, you might have noticed that I talk about confidence a lot on the podcast. It seems that confidence, or a lack thereof, is to blame for most marketing and profitability struggles. Sure, we need to address the concrete issues like pricing structure, brand strategy, but honestly, guys, those are easier to handle. The difficult part, the part that plagues business owners across the spectrum of experience, is the internal conflict. You can hire a business coach to help with your internal struggles. You can work with a life coach. You can take all the online courses. And none of those approaches are wrong, but also none of them will get you quite where you need to be because that, my friend, is your responsibility. If your lack of confidence is holding you back in business, listen up. If your lack of confidence is paralyzing your marketing, dragging down your prices, or making you shy away from taking your business to the new next level, you are in the right place because that is what we're talking about today. Today on The Kate Show, I'm sharing the four primary reasons why marketing your new business might feel absolutely terrifying, or why marketing your business after 10 years of no marketing and basically just relying on word-of-mouth referrals is also scary. And I'm going to be sharing why your inner confidence might have suddenly taken a plunge. Now, spoiler alert, that's actually really normal, but it doesn't mean you should stay in that place. After this episode, you're going to walk away with just a little bit more courage, a lot of companionship, and an actionable short to-do list to kickstart your confidence. So, are you guys ready? Let's jump into it. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. If your business doesn't scare you, you're doing it wrong. Businesses that never change simply don't grow, and businesses don't grow because their owners don't grow. How we run our businesses is a direct reflection of how we feel about ourselves, and that is why confidence matters so much. Is your business pieced together with freemium apps and dream boards? Are you attempting to manifest your way to success because you just don't know any other way? I get it. I started my business in 2014, and I had teeny tiny dreams. 
coming from one of the poorest counties in Wisconsin and emerging from an admittedly sheltered upbringing, I thought I had absolutely zero value to offer the world. I was a writer and a highly obscure teen author, and that is where my confidence ended. I thought I was good at one thing and one thing only, and that was it. My lack of confidence drove me to pursue a four-year degree that I didn't actually need. And then when I started my business, my lack of confidence also encouraged me to accept clients who were downright mean. Looking back, I now understand the great power that our culture holds over anyone who's wavering in life or afraid of making the wrong choice and therefore making the popular choice or worse, making decisions based on paranoia instead of on a plan. When I walked into local networking events, as a new business owner, I pretty much expected all the suits and pencil skirts in the room to point at me and laugh, saying, hey, look at that little country girl playing dress up. Isn't it cute that she thinks she can run a business? I mean, guys, literally, that is what I expected. That's what I was just like 110% sure people were thinking. My ears would just burn from all the words that were actually never said. The imaginary insults that my inner critic launched at me any time it could which was usually at the worst possible times. My face would turn red for no reason. And honestly, though, if people in that room at that networking event had heard my inner critic's abuse in that moment, they would have been blushing in shame too. We all have an inner critic that wants to keep us from trying new things, especially if there's a good chance we might fail at that thing. Our inner critic really can't tell the difference between a risk worth taking and an actually harmful situation. So it's up to us to make that determination. Now, ironically, our inner critic does not have our backs. First of all, the goal of the inner critic is to preserve safety, which sounds good, but it goes to some pretty weird, crazy lengths to preserve that safety. Second, the goal of the inner critic is to keep you within the confines of what is familiar. It will stop at nothing to keep you from venturing outward, getting outside the box, doing something completely new. This includes reminding you of past failures, highlighting criticism from other people, downplaying compliments, and then dramatizing the potential effects of failure. But what your inner critic won't do is describe to you what a successful scenario could look like. So again, that part is on you, and it's on me. If you're transitioning from college to entrepreneurship, or from a professional career as an employee to entrepreneurship, you're in good company because both groups of these people face the same amount of loathing from their inner critic, and they both also have the power to quiet their critic by following a few simple steps. So I'm going to give you a list. I love me a good list. The first thing you need to do is recognize your excellence. You need to actually recognize the things that you are good at. This isn't about being prideful. It's not about lying to yourself. It's about recognizing that you were given specific abilities and talents that other people simply were not. The second thing is to recognize your weak points. Everyone has a weak point, believe me. Figure out what yours are and be aware of them. Don't try to ignore them because I can tell you from personal experience, ignoring the weak points doesn't serve you well. It doesn't help your business. So just be honest with yourself. Make a list of the things that you're just not good at. Number three is pinpoint the areas that you want to grow and map out a growth plan. So if you want to get better at social media, how are you going to get better? Don't just say you want to get better. Are you going to get a coach? Are you going to just outsource it? Are you going to take a course? Figure out the action plan. And then that leads to number four, which is grabbing the online tools, courses, resources, or professionals to fill in the gaps. 
You don't have to be good at everything in your business in order to be a good business owner. You just have to be really good at finding people who are good at the things you're not. Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's a little convoluted. But in the beginning of our businesses, we often feel like we have to wear all the hats. And while that's true to a point, you need to start outsourcing things you're not good at as soon as possible because that will grow your business and it'll free you up to do the things you're good at, which by and large are the things that will actually make you money. Now, let's talk about the first two years in business because this is something that I say all the time and I see that it's true pretty much all the time. The first two years in business are going to make or break you. They are the hardest. Now, the natural human tendency when things get tough is to quit or at least to just start second guessing whether or not we're doing the right thing. Maybe it was a bad idea. But in business, we have to really deny a lot of our own human nature. Running a business and especially just starting out those first two years is incredibly difficult. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who want to make money fast, not for people who want stardom and fame and popularity overnight. And while that might happen on some extremely rare occasions, there's almost always a series of events and honestly, a series of years in the making that lead up to that moment of so-called overnight success. And I'm going to be straight with you. It's completely normal to want to give up on your business over and over again, especially in those first two years. The two years that you go through are the hardest, but you can make it through them. And if you do, you'll likely have a viable business that can stand the test of time. Now, on the flip side, while it is completely normal to feel like you want to give up, giving up is actually the worst thing that you can do. In those first two years, you have to decide every single day whether you're going to be an entrepreneur or a wantrepreneur. Wantrepreneurs <laughs> give up at the first sign of hardship. They slow down at the foot of the mountain rather than running harder and faster to get up that mountain. Running a business, whether you've been in business for a day or a decade, isn't about reaching the top of the mountain. It's about how well you navigate the climb. Think about that for a second. This is not a race to the top. The top is going to look different for everyone, and you might not like the view when you get there. Make the climb worthwhile. Put in the hard work the first two years, especially and know that your efforts will start to pay off, but you have to stop doing things that downgrade your value, like offering free consults. I mean, that yells cheap from a mile away. You have to stop doing things that make your, your business and your brand look piecemealed, like having a website that doesn't look right, it doesn't function well, not having a sales funnel. These things are things that you need to have in your business from the very start, not years down the road, when you suddenly realize you have a problem and you can't figure out why you're not getting any new clients. These are things that people who want to be successful should do, not people who are already successful. You have to have a plan. That plan cannot consist of throwing things out there and seeing what sticks to the wall. It cannot consist of posting on Instagram randomly or sporadically or even daily without any plan in place. Social media is not a marketing strategy. It can be part of a marketing strategy, but I often see new business owners in the home industry thinking that Instagram is some sort of God that will give them whatever they want in their business if they just post enough or just post the right things. And that's really not true. And it's really unrealistic. Now, 
In the early stages of my own business, I worked part-time for other entrepreneurs. One of them in particular was hell-bent on his company becoming extremely profitable in the shortest amount of time possible. He invested money on get-rich-quick programs, and he avoided paying his own overdue taxes. And less than a year later, despite a booming economy and a strong internal team, he lost the business he'd worked over a decade to build, and he had to file for bankruptcy. What he did was a gamble and not a strategy. I am not suggesting that you gamble, but I'm highly recommending that you strategize from a realistic standpoint and that you answer the big question, how badly do you want it? This is something that I've had to ask other business owners when they tell me, well, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought, or I didn't realize it was going to take this much effort. And I simply say to them, okay, well, if you don't want it that bad, then you can give up now. Like nobody's telling you that you can't give up. And that's where the internal drive has to come in. Now, the beautiful thing is that I would say 99.9% of the people I talk to in the home industry who are brand new in business, they have the hunger. They have the drive for success and they're willing to do whatever it takes within reason to make that happen. So you guys are the people that I'm talking to. I'm not talking about the people who just want to try doing some affiliate marketing and make some money on the side. And because I mean, that's not even a legitimate strategy anyway. I will have a future podcast episode about the problems with affiliate marketing. Just FYI, don't get upset, everybody. I have a lot of people, by the way, who reach out and they're like, how can I do affiliate marketing? And well, I'll give you a sneak peek. You have to have hundreds of thousands of social media followers and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of hits on your website. You need to be blogging multiple times a week. You have to be so aggressive that it's no longer passive. And I'm going to be talking all about that. But I just wanted to throw that out there as an example of some people who either they're intentionally trying to make money without putting in the work or they've been misinformed. They've been lied to. There's a lot of misinformation around affiliate marketing out there so, so much. And it's usually because the people giving you that info are just trying to make money off of you, which is another thing that extremely bothers me. <laughs> it super bothers me because I've been in your position and I don't like being lied to. I don't like then telling someone something that I know doesn't work, but would somehow profit me. I don't like doing that. You guys know I don't do that. So if you are trying to strategize for your business, make sure you're doing things that have proven to work and not just things that are popular or trending right now. That being said, the places you get your information from and the people you have around you during your business growth, especially those first two years, are going to make such a huge difference for you. Now, I've never gotten much benefit from giving myself positive affirmations, but I've really thrived on the affirmations of others. And to a point, that can be a bad thing. I'm an Enneagram 3, so I've got my own stuff to work through there. But no matter what type of personality you have, you need to make sure that you have the right people around you who will encourage and support you, but who won't just tell you what they think you want to hear, because that wouldn't be helpful at all, would it? So if you find yourself in the position of you just need an emotional support team around you, here is what I suggest. Number one, find a friend who is ahead of you in their business growth. They may not be in the same industry as you, or they may not offer the same services, and that's okay. The camaraderie can really grow in the trenches of entrepreneurship, regardless of whether or not you do the same things. And they can also 
impart a lot of valuable wisdom and support and critique if you're willing to receive it. Number two, if you have close friends or family members who are really pessimistic about your business, just avoid discussing it with them. Unless they're your business partner, your coach, your advisor, or your investor, or your spouse, you really don't need their input. And you don't have to be rude about it. You can just keep that topic out of conversation. That way you can continue to enjoy the relationship you have with them without making you feel like you're being attacked and without them feeling like they need to protect you by saying, your business isn't going to work. Why don't you just stop now? I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to go bankrupt. Things like that. Now, of course, take it all with a grain of salt because maybe this person has experience and they really genuinely see a problem in your business. That's when we have to have a thick skin and be like, all right, I'm going to think about what they said. I'm going to look into it. And if there's no validity to it, then I'm going to let it go. But if there is some truth to it, then I'm going to continue looking into it because we don't want to be in business with blinders on. That's never a good idea. The third tip I have for you is to join a professional association of your peers. You are the culmination of your closest friends and associations are a really great place to find successful people doing exactly what you want to do. So for example, if you own a window treatment workroom or you're in the window treatments business at all, you could join the Window Coverings Association of America, WCAA. They are absolutely amazing. If you're a home stager, you could join RISA or IHOSP. There are lots of different organizations out there. The fourth tip I have for you is on listening to the right podcasts, like this one, shameless plug, that can give you advice and encouragement and strategies on demand. And by the way, for free, because it's kind of nice to have free information, especially if it's good information. Now, the problem with free information is there are all sorts of pieces of info out there. Some good, some bad. Some are really just opinions. They're not based on stats or data. So you do have to be careful where you get your information from. And that's why I say listen to the right podcast or the right sources. Remember, guys, the first two years of any new transition are the hardest. After that, you're still going to have challenges in business. Always. That's the nature of the beast. But you're going to be much more adept at fighting your own internal battles. And that is the goal here. But I'm not quite done. I have some other tips for you. I'm just like so verbose today. I don't know. I've got like all the words. But I'm going to get a little bit personal quick. Okay. So from the early days of me becoming a mom, the one fact I could not get away from was this. Other moms really like to compare their babies to each other. Who rolled over first? Who slept through the night first? And who was in what percentile? And maybe that's why we female entrepreneurs especially make the same comparisons in our businesses. We've had so much practice comparing what is most precious to something equally as precious, aka each other's babies, and then expecting to find a deficit that if we have trouble getting our baby to do the same thing. The other thing is, if you're comparing your business to someone else's business, you're going to find that same deficit where there really isn't any. Babies and businesses have a lot in common. And while you might track your business progress against that of your friend's business, just to kind of see where you are in the timeline of success, you cannot let that measurement fool you. That apathetic measurement of, oh, I'm just looking at their business to make sure my business is on track. Very apathetic. I'm not trying to really draw any comparisons and I'm not trying to be jealous or anything. Okay, it's not apathetic. And it will actually leave you feeling pathetic if your business doesn't measure up to wherever you think it should be. 
If we were true business analysts and true social scientists, we would take into account not only the length of time spent in business, but also the level of dedication, the deprioritization of family, which is a super sad one, the missed events with friends. All those things would have to be factored into the equation to determine, is this business really successful? And is this person living their best life for real? Because a lot of us aren't in business, even if our businesses are very successful financially. If you're envious of someone else's seemingly successful business and you just can't stand their perfectly curated Instagram feed that documents every glorious moment, I want you to pause. Pause right here. You need to go and follow that person. Why? Not because they're doing anything wrong, but because you're not ready and you're not seeing the big picture. Anyone can seem successful on social media and everyone has a different version of success. Some people spend their entire careers chasing down other people's definitions of success only to reach that success and realize how much they've sacrificed to get there and how irreversibly unhappy they are. What a sad, wasted career, right? It should go without saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Stay in your lane. Chart your own path. The only business success you'll ever know for sure is your own. So define what that success looks like to you. Stop comparing your business to other businesses. If you get two new clients in one week and your colleague, your friend, gets twice as many, it can be easy to forget about your own joy. You got two new clients. You're supposed to celebrate that, but you forgot to because your friend got like four new clients. Why are we doing this to ourselves? These are the moments that you have waited your entire business life to experience. Don't try to experience someone else's joy in place of your own. This is your business. Mind your business. Now, let's get back to the whole confidence factor. I found that the search for confidence is a lot more like an ongoing war than a one-time battle. The enemy is going to find new ways to attack you, and sometimes the enemy is just, you know, me or you shooting ourselves in the foot. <laughs> Different battleground, same fight. The key is to be smarter than your opponent by knowing what they don't. So here are some things that you need to know. Understand the value you are offering to the world through your business and understand how you can or will directly improve your clients' lives. Your clients actually need you. So list the emotional impact that your clients will experience if they don't get that kitchen remodel, the pantry organization, the window coverings. If these people never meet you, never hire you, never benefit from your services, their life will be less because of it. Frustration, chaos, and unsettling emotions would ensue, all because you didn't take time to market to them, to stick with your business and serve them. What I'm trying to tell you guys is that you are needed, okay? It's not like you're entitled to success because nobody is, but if you put in the hard work and you figure out who that ideal client is and you set up your business and your services in a way to meet their needs to the best of your ability, then I dare I say, you likely will be very successful because that's a relationship that you're creating. And relationships are the foundation of human existence. Hmm, I'm so deep today. My goodness. <laughs> but guys, there's more I want to say about this. You need to understand how you were uniquely created to offer your services. You can even go deep, like figuring out your personality type. Take the Enneagram. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com and take their test. It's awesome. Look at that. Look at your past experiences. 
How do all those elements help you create the perfect cocktail of services to meet your client's needs? You have so much to offer, but your lack of confidence and that strong inner critic will keep getting in your way. It'll make you lower your prices to attempt to be competitive. It will make you give away so many hours of work for free, and that will hurt your business. And most of all, it will hurt you as a person. Running a business is not easy, but it's also one of the most exhilarating things you're ever going to do. And it will grow you as a person and hopefully make you a better version of yourself. Marketing your business doesn't need to be scary. Finding your confidence doesn't need to be scary, but if it is, do it anyway, because that is business. And I know I'm speaking to a largely female audience, and I just want to say, ladies, you don't need anybody's permission. You don't. You can go out there and run a business and charge whatever the heck you want, as long as you are delivering above and beyond what you're promising. So now that we've all got our big girl pants on... <laughs> And we understand who the enemy is here. And often the enemy is ourselves. Go get her. Go do this. I know that you can. If you guys have questions about this topic, if you ever want to check in with me, we can compare confidence notes and support each other and encourage each other. Please hit me up. You can head over to katethesocialite.com. And if you're interested in getting a strategy and a sales funnel for your business in the home industry, you can head over to socialitevault.com. All right, guys, until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.